Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sawhook, and hopefully joined by dozens of lovely other folks here shortly. It's been another great day in the world of fantasy football and in the world of NFL training camp news. Uh, nothing too crazy has really caught my eye to start the day here today in terms of news and notes around the NFL. Uh, you know, every once in a while, a player will get a bump and a bruise. Uh, there actually was pretty significant news surrounding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting center. I, sorry, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head right now. Uh, but he suffered a pretty major knee injury in camp yesterday. He got rolled up on by one of the defensive linemen, and he could be out for several months or maybe even possibly the season, which is really unfortunate news to start off the season for the Buccaneers in training camp. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Tom Brady and company will go out there and find a veteran t- uh, center to fill in on, for his production role. But, Lock, how's it going? Nate, how you doing? Welcome in, guys. Appreciate you guys coming in out to the show tonight. Appreciate you. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great day. And uh, hopefully this show will be a nice uh, way to cap off your, hopefully, uh, you know, pretty good day at work. Hayden, how you doing? Balake, Nate, welcome in, guys. We're going to be talking about fantasy football, always, obviously. Uh, let's talk about a TikTok I saw earlier today. We're talking about Rashad Penny and the Seattle Seahawks backfield. Somebody uh, thought that Rashad Penny could be the RB1 overall this year, which I thought was kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, I think that we honestly are just overlooking Kenneth Walker III way too much. I think that Kenneth Walker III is a great prospect. Second-round draft capital. But the only reason people are fading Kenneth Walker III, in my opinion, is because we saw Rashad Penny not really get many opportunity in his first year as a first-round pick. That being said, though, I don't really think we should pay that much attention to that because I feel like over the course of history, second-round rookie running backs usually produce really, really well. So I think the fact that just because Rashad Penny didn't do it doesn't mean that it's never going to happen again. So I think that we should, you know, really just keep an open mind with the way things are proceeding as we go forward, especially with Kenneth Walker III, who's a really, really good prospect, arguably a better peer runner than Brees Hall. Um, I think that both of those players are pretty talented in Seattle and Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, but I think that Walker has the long-term upside that we're really looking for. Uh, Balake, how you doing, man? Welcome in. Not too bad. How about you? Doing great, dude. I actually just uh, DoorDash some Korean barbecue. I got some wings, and I got uh, spicy fries, Ooh. and it's gas. So, uh, off to a good start. Well, uh, I just saw um, something come through on NBC Sports Edge. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Mary Kay Cabot reports ruling on Deshaun, Deshaun Watson likely suspension could come early next week. So basically more of the same and no one cares because I'm done with this. I'm sick of it. Yeah, I'm sick of it too. I mean, we all, I think we all can agree that Deshaun Watson obviously should not get the opportunity to play this season. Yo, what's up, Cooper? Um, you know, I, I'm really, really anxiously awaiting the decision for Deshaun Watson's suspension this season. I think it honestly is way overdue. I think the fact that this guy can go out there right now and play in preseason and training camp is absolutely insane. I mean, it just feels so wrong, in my opinion, to go and be able to see Deshaun Watson out there on the field. It's just crazy. Like, like have you seen training camp highlights of Deshaun Watson out there right now throwing the ball around to his wide receivers? It's so, oh, it's yeah. so like, I mean, uneasy. I saw the DPJ thing. Like DPJ, I saw that pass and stuff. Like, I just, I wanted, I just wanted to be over with. Like, I'm sick of hearing about it. Like, one way or the other, just get it over with at this point. Like, obviously, I, pre- I have an outcome I'd prefer, and it's for him to be suspended. But like, just get it over with. I'm, I'm so sick of it. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. I think we just need to move on from this shit show. Quite frankly, I mean, he obviously sucks, and he obviously deserves to be suspended for a long time. But you know. Regardless, I mean, there will be fantasy football implications that we're going to have to talk about 
But I just, I just think it's stunning how long the NFL has waited for a ruling here. I mean, I, I, I understand it's not really in their control necessarily, but it's just like, come on, man. I mean, this guy should not be able to be at training camp right now, like at all. Oh, uh, Cooper. And, oh, sorry, and, I heard he, and I heard he can, like, he can appeal it. So this is long from over. So whatever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, Cooper, how you doing, bro? What's up? I'm good. How about you? Doing great, man. Thanks for being here. Real quick, I want to see what uh, Nate Ray has to say because he's not really in here very often. So, Nate, what's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, good. Yourself? Doing great, man. Good. Just wondering if you've heard anything at all about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and where he might end up. Yeah, uh, there's not a lot of rumors out there right now that I've been seeing that have uh, you know any real traction to them from my analysis so far. Um, we've talked about on this show a couple days ago some potential landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it be, you know, maybe in Cleveland, maybe in Seattle, maybe the Giants could take a shot on him, maybe the Texans. But, you know, I, I think the only two places that really make a lot of sense for him are Seattle and Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland being if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the entire season. And then Seattle is, you know, obviously in some quarterback turmoil there. So I'm really interested to see the way how this uh, shakes out. But, um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty torn on where I think Jimmy Garoppolo could land. But right now, I feel like it's pretty likely we – I mean, we, he's going to go somewhere, right? He's not going to be on the 49ers. I feel like that's pretty much certain. Um, but the thing is, it's just – I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go because his market is just not hot at all. It's pretty much the exact opposite of hot. So, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see, really, unfortunately. I don't really think there's any team out there chomping at the bid right now. Blocky, go ahead. I think – we talked about it maybe a couple shows ago, but like I I came up with like the Giants and it was it took me a while to come up with that one. I'm like, I actually kinda love that. And then like I don't know if you guys saw, like if you guys use the Fancy Life app, but like one of their like people that post like got fooled by a fake like Adam Schefter and they, they showed like Jimmy G went to the Giants, which obviously he didn't, but like news out of training camp today about Daniel Jones, like I heard a lot of like negative stuff and um, people saying like you know, Brian Dable has like some choices to make. Like, left is he going to start? I left and... my own space. I don't know what's happened there. Go ahead. Uh, oh, you're fine. I was just saying, like, Brian Dable like might have a choice he has to make during training camp because Daniel Jones like was reportedly like looking awful today. So, um, yeah, Jimmy G could honestly go there, and I think like be a nice bridge at the very least. But like, that's one of the teams that like if they had a competent quarterback, like. Would could Kenny Galladay would you know want um not want uh Kadarius Tony like would they all like just look like so much better and like Saquon being healthy like that team could be a lot better than it was with like a a competent quarterback. Yeah, absolutely, I totally agree with that, and I just want to say that I think it absolutely makes sense for the Giants. I don't really know if they're going to. Uh, you know, you can argue one thing, you know, one way or another if if it's worth it for them to go out there and do that. Um, but I personally think it is, you know, I, I really think it is. I think that they should go out there and make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like it just makes a lot of sense for this team personally. Uh, but, you know, that being said, I can't say, you know, what's going to happen. Um, but the Giants are definitely a dark horse destination. That I think I would entertain Cooper. Go ahead. I just, I don't, I'm, to be honest, I'm not really a fan of it. I see the, I see the reason that's like make them, more, especially in a weaker NFC, to make them kind of like a wild card hunt team or like bring up the ceiling of their other players, make them perform better. But, you know, Daniel Jones is a young, fairly athletic player. And Jimmy Garoppolo, like, do they really think he's going to be the franchise quarterback long term? Probably not. I look at it more as like a lateral 
safe option. Like, hey, we want to be decent this year. It reminds me of a the Panthers situation with Baker Mayfield a little bit. Like, yeah, we're going to go get him. But Baker Mayfield has more upside than Jimmy Garoppolo. And Sam Darnold is significantly worse than Daniel Jones. And the Panthers are closer to winning than the Giants are. So I just – I don't like the fit, to be honest. That's fair. I, I just think for me as well, it's also a lot about, you know, the – the way that I think that this team, just in general, you know, just like building a fan base, I think that they should be looking to go out of their way to try to get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, personally. Because I feel like it just sells more jerseys and gets more butts in the seats than having Daniel Jones out there for another mediocre season. And I get that. But, I mean, either Daniel Jones is going to have to prove it this year, and if he doesn't, it's a really stacked quarterback class with five or six quarterbacks who are projected to go in the first round. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. I, the, the quarterback class is great, and I also feel like it makes a lot of sense for them to go get one of the top guys, for sure. Um, I just don't know. Like, should the Giants be banking on draft pick, or should they try to get Jimmy and G in there and see what the team can do with a veteran quarterback? Because I feel like the roster, honestly, around that, that quarterback is really good there. I don't know. It's just interesting. He could be a he could be a bridge gap guy. Yeah. I feel like like he's I think he's better than Daniel Jones to be honest. Like Daniel Jones has like a probably probably a higher ceiling, but like when has he shown it last? Like it was like a flash in the pan. It was kind of, it was kind of reminiscent of like how Baker like you know, blew up there for a little bit. And then all of a sudden we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and it doesn't happen. And so, like, I mean, you also have to kind of, like, this is just something I think about. Like, the Giants are one of the oldest football teams. Like, don't you think they're a little tired of being this embarrassed? Like, wouldn't competent, like, be good for once? Like, they're not, they don't have a competent I totally agree with that. I feel like competent is a huge upgrade over incompetent, and that's what they would be getting with Jimmy Garoppolo to Daniel Jones, in my opinion. I don't, I don't know, and like honestly, they could, they could still not be good with Jimmy Garoppolo, and like they could just sign him to a one-year deal, and then they could still pick a good quarterback. Like they could trade up. Like their offensive line could use some work too. So like, do they really want to go and use their first like round pick next year on a quarterback when their offensive line isn't like it's improved, but it's still not amazing. I actually really like their offensive line. Uh, Andrew Thomas had a really bad rookie year, came back, and was pretty good. They just got Evan Neal out of the draft. The interior offensive line can use a little work, but at the same time, interior offensive line isn't like tackle. Like Very rarely do interior offensive linemen, like, you might see one or two in the first round on occasion, but like typically they go later. I think you can invest in interior offensive linemen in the second or third round, and they're typically pretty safe. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That's I feel like their true. offensive line unit honestly is not as bad as it gets, like, gets the hate for. Um, and I also feel like they crushed it in the draft of the first round this year with Evan Neal and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, both those guys were disgusted, though, number one overall pick at one point, and they got both of them in the top ten. I mean, that's a that's, an, uh, that's a master class right there, in my opinion. And I feel like they're building the team the right way. Uh, they have decent weapons. If Saquon's healthy, you know, this team could surprise some people this season with competent quarterback play, in my opinion. And, like, Jimmy G's skill set is, like, short area passes, and, you know, they have, like, um, who's their new guy? Is it Juan? It's not Wandell Robinson. Is it? Is he on the Giants now? It is Wandell Robinson. Yeah. Okay. I, I keep confusing him and I keep confusing him and Tyquan Thornton. Um. So Tyquan uh, Thornton's on the Patriots. Right. Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Tony. Like everyone's saying, like they're kind of like similar guys, and they didn't know if they were going to keep Tony or what. And I mean, they're kind of like these, you know, 
like wide receivers, but they can like take carries out of the backfield. And, like that's that's kind of like would be good for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I don't know if Kenny Galladay would really gain any value. And you know they're talking about trading Darius Slayton. I've seen a couple people like suggesting. So I don't know if like the deep game is any better. But like maybe making use of their you know like younger guys and seeing what they have in their younger guys at the very least. I, I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think. I think no, you're totally. Right. You're totally right. I feel like that doesn't hurt at all to see what you have in your younger players, especially at the skill positions. You know, I totally agree with you for sure, for sure. All right, let's transition to some other topics here. Um, we have Nate, we have Alias, and we have Kyle up here. Uh, one of you guys just want to feel free to jump in or whatever you have. Go ahead. Well, I think it's sad that like we're talking about the Giants like being a contender if they got Garoppolo. It's only because they're in the NFC. <laughs> um. You're well, not yeah, wrong. As a the Bears NFC fan, East. you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the NFC East, too, which is a weak division historically. Yeah, I just think it's like this is year one of Dable. Like, he's got plenty of pedigree. Like, they're going to give him time to turn the franchise around. It's like you can move on from Jones after the season without any hard cap hit. And I forget who else had brought up the point that, like, this wide receiver, or I'm sorry, the next quarterback class, like, is looking good. I mean, no guarantees, but. I almost almost just feel like that's the way to go because, like, yeah, I'm – I mean, I'm selfish because, like, I have so much Kadarius Tony and, like, Jimmy G would be great for his fantasy value, you know, because he's kind of a catch-and-run guy. But, like – Yeah, I mean, he just supported Debo Samuel really well. But I agree. I mean, in general, right, I'm not advocating for the New York Giants to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like, in general, the best way to build this team is exactly what you're saying, Kyle, is, you know, quote-unquote tank this season or just, like, throw it away. Let Daniel Jones roll out there and be Daniel Jones again. They're going to get a top pick. They're going to go get, go get uh, their franchise guy in this 2023 draft, and then you give this roster some time to breathe. And I feel like that's a good way to build your team in general. Yeah, for sure. But I I feel like, uh, I mean, Jimmy G going to Seattle makes the most sense, but, like, Schneider's, like, so stubborn. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I feel like he'll, he he's probably just going to get cut because they're going to need the cap space for to do some other stuff because they have, like, no cap right now. Right, that definitely is a possibility. They have to cut them by? Week one. I'm not sure what the date is. It's before week one. If it's it's before week one, pretty much none of it's guaranteed. There's like one and a half million dead cap. That's it. I'm going to look it up. It just seems like he's in such an awkward spot because of that next quarterback class where, like, most of the teams are like, they might as well either tank or, like, I mean, they might as well just tank because most of the teams that they might sign with seem like they're not really going to compete. Even the, right. You know, you have the Cowboys in that division and the Eagles who look a lot better. And they're, like, even if their team doesn't look good, like last year they snuck into the wild card. So it's just kind of an awkward spot. It's week one. I also got a really weird opinion on it, too. I, I, I feel like. The Browns are – this is going to sound weird because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. I think he can be a competent starter. Top 20? I don't know about top 20. Top 25, I'll give you. Top 20? Okay, top 25. I, I think he'd flow right around the 20 range. But he can get you to the playoffs. He can make you competitive. But I don't – the teams, other than the Browns, I think the Browns are the best fit, especially with Deshaun Watson, should be getting suspended soon. But the way I look at it is if you're the – if any of those, every one of those other teams, the Seahawks, the Giants, like why wouldn't you have taken 
the shot on Baker Mayfield, who's the younger, higher upside guy and could possibly be the future with a question mark. Seattle did try to get Baker, but their talk fell through. Yeah, I just I just don't if they're if they weren't interested in Baker or willing to get enough for Baker, I don't see why they wouldn't. I went after Jimmy G. And I also see it getting less and less likely that he gets traded now that camp is starting and playbooks are getting implemented. It'd be really it'd be a, it'd be a challenge, especially for a guy who relies so much on I'm in this scheme. I need to know everything. I'm a mental guy who's accurate and I don't really make a lot of plays with my athleticism and just fly. He's a smart guy who makes the right decision and missing out on camp and missing out on preseason and however long it takes till he gets traded is really hard for a quarterback, especially a guy who relies on his scheme so much as Jimmy G does. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's really good insight, Cooper. I feel like a lot of people will always forget about that, you know, the more human aspect of it. Um, you know, getting actually getting into camp, getting an install, learning the playbook like the back of your hand. I mean, it's it's a long, difficult process and for any quarterback, especially for a guy who's a veteran who, like you mentioned, relies on his intellect over his physical tools to win games. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I do agree with you. And also, um, whoever it was, I think it was Alias that said, made a good point. It's just in a really awkward spot right now with this quarterback class because not a lot of teams are just looking for a bridge to like the next season because it, it, the, the quarterback class is so good. You're going to need to have a really high pick. It's not like this past year where you could get Kenny Pickett at the 20th pick. It's not going to happen like that this season. There's going to be some really top-end quarterback play, and if you're going to want to get them, you're going to have to be in the top five or be able to like, be close enough to where you can make a move to trade up to the top premium picks where those quarterbacks are going to fall. Um, and I feel like the Seattle Seahawks are honestly leaning towards tanking because I feel like if they weren't tanking, they would have already got a quarterback by now. I feel like rolling into the season with G- uh, uh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke is just a total cop-out. And I feel like they're doing it intentionally, which kind of sucks because they have some older guys in their roster, like Tyler Lockett. But, um, you know, I don't think, I, I don't I feel think like they are. You don't think they're tanking? I don't I think, think they, are. they are because if they were, Pete Carroll wouldn't be there. Pete Carroll honestly thinks he has a good team. Pete Carroll thinks he has a good quarterback. Well, no, no, no. That's the thing with the NFL, though. You can't say you're tanking, but they're tanking. You're not winning a football game. You're not winning over six football games with Drew Lock. I think I think happen. I think he's deluded to, to enough to think he is. I don't think so, man. Like, I just feel like I don't understand how the Seattle Seahawks can sit out there and sit back with this roster and say, you know, this is good enough. We're not going to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Because they're, they're just going to run it down everyone's throats. Yeah. GM I know, but if you want to do that, Jimmy Garoppolo the is the guy for that. Jimmy Garoppolo did that in San Francisco perfectly. But, you know, like a, a Drew Locke, who's a very inaccurate, unpredictable quarterback who has accuracy issues and turnover issues, I mean, that's not the guy you want to run. You're dinking dunk. That's because Gino's going to be Gino's gonna be the one doing it. I don't think Drew Locke's I understand that Gino could do it. I just feel like, it, I don't know, man. I just don't understand it. Elias, go ahead. My kind of hot take theory with the Seahawks is that I think Pete Carroll's going to end up being the fall guy. They're going to fire him, get a new coach, and then reset next year with a coach and a quarterback, and uh, who knows what else. Like, on the one hand, you have the Texans' way of doing it, where they hired their sham head coach for a year and then they went and just fired him despite kind of doing more with less last year with a third round quarterback and all that. I think the Seahawks might be doing it a different way where they had their longtime head coach who's like the oldest coach in the NFL nowadays and he's got his outdated run the ball mentality. Um, it certainly would benefit the Seattle Seahawks long term to have a fresh start and a fresh rebuild in my opinion. Absolutely. But I don't know. Like, do you think we're galaxy braining it a little too much, or like thinking too much ahead, thinking that they're intentionally setting up, setting Pete Carroll up for failure? I mean, maybe that. That's why I kind of say it's like a hot take. Like, Pete Carroll has won a Super Bowl. If you have a Super Bowl winning coach, that usually means something. I mean, that's kind of how Doug Peterson has ended up with the Jaguars and and all the hype there. 
So like, I don't want to say it's like a good theory, but it's kind of my hot takey theory. I understand that for sure. I appreciate you sharing it. All right, let's move on to something else here. Uh, we have Kale McCasey coming in. I don't know if that's a troll account or not, but hopefully not. Uh, Kyle, what's up, man? I'm going through a dead zone, so i got to mute myself. I'll try to be back in like 20 seconds. All right, go ahead, man. We'll wait for, we'll wait for Kyle to come back here from his dead zone. Um, this is an interesting conversation, though. Jimmy Garoppolo's landing spot. It's going to be a very, very interesting tra- uh, topic a way to follow into the end of training camp, into preseason, and all the way up to the NFL Week 1. And there's actually a lot of good veterans out there that still need to be signed. Uh, a guy that comes off the top of my head is Joe Hayden, cornerback. He played pretty well for the Steelers last year. I understand he's getting, getting older, but, I mean, this player was a quality veteran who contributed pretty solid, you know, snap shares and stuff for the Steelers last year. He guarded number one wide receivers on the other, on the other side of the ball. Um, and, you know, he's still sitting out there in free agency. Same with Will Fuller. He's a really good NFL wide receiver in real life. He, you know, he missed the, pretty much the entire season last year with a hand injury, which was kind of bizarre, and a little bit of uh, personal issues factored in there. And, like, obviously, if he doesn't want to come back due to personal things, you know, God bless, whatever. Um, but, you know, if, in terms of real NFL talent, it's kind of surprising me that this guy hasn't signed yet. Um, we, we've seen him contribute to NFL teams in pretty meaningful capacities over his career. So I'm interested to see how the rest of these, you know, roster spots and roster movements going to look leading up to the NFL season. I feel like there's gonna, there's a lot of pieces that still need to fall into place. Kyle, are you back from your dead zone? Yeah, Kyle, are you well, there? Well, sir? That's... Yeah, I'm here. Does that work? Yeah, you're good. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think Will Fuller's waiting on Watson. I don't think so. But I don't know. I, I feel like Watson's only going to get suspended like four to six games because why wouldn't they have suspended him already? The whole thing. I don't, really think, I, I don't think it really matters how long the process is taken with the length of the suspension. Uh, I do think the NFL is probably going to make a terrible decision and only suspend him for like 10 games probably. Um, I think it's going to be eight. It's un- it's unfathomable to me still that Calvin Ridley, who bet on his team to win an NFL game, is suspended for an entire year, but the guy who's a serial sexual assaulter is going to be on the field in like six games. That's just I, I just mind like, I totally understand, you know, like protect the seal. You can't bet on games. Integrity of the game, whatever. But the guy literally should be in prison, and he's going to be on the NFL field before the season's over. That's just insane to me. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. I think the way that Major League Baseball handled the Trevor Bauer situation is exactly the way that uh, the NFL is, should have handled the Deshaun Watson situation. That's just my opinion. Can we actually talk about Will Fuller? Because I kind of yeah. want to talk about him a little bit. Yeah, go ahead, man. I love Will Fuller. Um, I saw somewhere that in addition to um, his finger issues, he had some mental health stuff. So if you're banking on Will Fuller like I am, I don't know if, if he if he might not come back. He, like, he might, he might be done. Cause yeah, I, I mentioned that a second ago. I don't know if you heard, but I said, yeah, I, when I was talking about his personal issues, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, he, I oh, heard okay. he was just struggling from, like, you know, stepping away from the game of football, just taking some time to himself. And, like, if that's the case, you know, God bless, whatever. Uh, he has but, no know, social I, I media, so there's the game, that man. too. I hope he comes back to the game because he is a really good player. And also, yeah. if you're talking from a fantasy football perspective, he was the wide receiver 18 in Houston a couple years ago. You know, like, this guy has been a very solid contributor for fantasy football when he's been healthy on the field. And, I mean, I hope he goes out there and, it gets signed because, I mean, I know he missed pretty much the entire season last year due to a finger injury and some personal issues. But, I mean, before that, he was signed for, you know, $10 million. Oh, by, by Kyle. Appreciate it, man. Um, 
I think, you know, ten, he got $10 million for the Miami Dolphins for a one-year deal. I mean, that's major money for a guy to come in and contribute. It's not a veteran minimum kind of guy. I mean, this guy commanded a, a good amount of interest in the open market just a year ago. Um, you feel like just a weird freak hand injury wouldn't cap you from, you know, getting less than like $2 million, $3 million, but uh, you never know. I mean, the NFL works in mysterious ways. It's very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league, as I always say. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be really interesting to see how Will Fuller shakes out heading into the season. Yeah, I, I have no read on that whatsoever. He has he has no social media. Like I kind of start saying, like I don't I don't know. I have I have no clue. I'm holding on to him, obviously, but like that's just because I need him, you know. So, right. I appreciate it. All right. Anybody out there who has any questions or anything or wants to pivot the topic in any certain direction, now's the time to do so. Hit the request to speak button in the bottom left hand corner of your screen if you're not already a speaker. But if you are a speaker, I'm gonna mute here for a second. If you want to toss it in any direction, go right ahead. Cooper, do you have something? I do, but it's, I know it's fans football podcast. It's more I, IRL, like when- we can do we can do real life football too. I mean, we're we're all obviously if you're a big fantasy football fan, you're gonna like real life NFL talk too. So okay. let it rip, bro. All right. So this like depending on who you are, this pertains to my favorite team. I think it does. Some people don't. Who do you think are the three favorite? Like I think the division winners in the NFC are pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that's going to be Green Bay, Tampa, Los Angeles, and Either Philly or Dallas. I don't think it's going to be Green Bay. It's going to be Green Bay. Who do you think is going to upset the Vikings? I think it might be the Vikings, to be perfectly honest. There is I, think, I think it's going to be Green Bay. So their defense is unbelievable. Green Bay has the best defense roster-wise in the NFL this year. I agree with that, Cooper. I don't think it's particularly close. They have the best cornerback room in the NFL by far. Eric Stokes had the sneakiest rookie year out of all defenders in general. But um, – and then you combine that with Jerry Alexander, who was hurt all of last year, and they were still a top 10 unit. You're bringing Rasul Douglas, who they got off the Panthers practice squad, and he has a career year. Savage and Amos are a top 10, if not top 5 safety duo. First team all pro linebacker. Who are the, who are the other teams that you said? Oh, the other the other division winners? Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be I think it's gonna be Green Bay, the Rams, and then the Buccaneers. And then the NFC East is Eagles, Cowboys. Personally, I lean more Eagles. But it's close. It's really close. I think. I think, it's I think cool. Eagles and Cowboys are pretty much perfectly matched. Honestly, yeah, same yeah. Same. I think it's really close. But I personally, I like, give the edge to the Cowboys just because you know Michael Parsons emerged last season at a big time. Dak Prescott obviously is a stud, and I think I bet on Dak Prescott over Jalen Hurts. Although, man, I don't know AJ Brown and Devonta Smith is big time. I loved the Eagles offseason. Everything they did about it. I love the AJ Brown trade. I love the Jordan Davis draft. I love the Nicobe Dean pick and what was the third round. Like they just had a great offseason. And I, they're my pick. But like my question was more going towards who would be the three like wild card, three or four. I think like if I were to just go off the top of my head, I'd say the second place of the NFC East, Cowboys or Eagles, and then Vikings, and then probably the Niners or Cardinals. And then the Saints and Panthers, like those are all the teams I think can make it. But yeah, uh, um, I mean, I personally think we see. I mean, how, how there's two wild card spots, right? Or is it three? I forget. Three, three wild card spots. Um, I think we're gonna see the Rams win the division. I think we're gonna see the Cowboys or Eagles, and then I think we're gonna see the Packers. So I mean, that's three right there. Well, sorry, and then the Buccaneers. So four. That's that's my four. So Buccaneers. Uh, I'll say Cowboys. Buccaneers. Cowboys. Uh, Rams and who am I missing? The Buccaneers? Did I say them? I forget. Packers? I forget. Uh, th- anyway, those four divisions. 
uh, in three wild card spots, I think you're gonna see. The, I think you're gonna see the Cardinals in there for sure. I think you're gonna see the. I think you're gonna see the 49ers in there too. I mean, I'm putting some faith in the Trey Lance there, but I think I think they're gonna sneak in. That roster is just too good, and they have really good coaching. And then the last wild card is honestly pretty open, but I feel like the Vikings could. Well, actually, I don't, I lied. Um, I'll give it to the Eagles because I had the Cowboys beating them out. So I think that's going to be my third wild card team. So that being said, it's going to be the 49ers, Cardinals, and Eagles in the wild cards. And then the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Packers, and the Rams. And I think that's what the AFC playoffs look like personally. Okay. I, I like that. And I mostly like, and I don't think it's a bad take by any means. I just really don't, I don't feel, I don't like the, I'm not a big fan of the Cardinals this year. There's secondary. Yeah, I understand. I just feel like this team has enough talent to do the job. Yeah, I think offensively they're going to be great, but that secondary just scares me. Like you take Their defense out- is pretty gross. They also lost Chandler Jones, which is a huge loss yeah. for them. Like J.J. Watt, love him to death, great career, struggles to stay healthy, and even when he's on the field, isn't quite the same. Like Buda Baker is good, but there's not really a lot going on on that defense, and they're just—I don't know. I think they're going to struggle, especially with all the high-powered sling the ball offenses out of there nowadays. I just think they're going to be in a bit of a struggle. Yeah, they're not going to be running as much to stay on the field longer. So it's like, what's their defense going to do? Yeah, for sure. I, their defense definitely could struggle this season. Absolutely. Um, I actually kind of like that. And I think I'll throw in a wild card out there. I mean, Cooper, you're going to like this, but I think keep an eye on the Panthers to sneak in a wild card low key. Or the nah. same. Actually, I like Lions over Panthers for sure. Thanks. No, I think I go I go Panthers over Lions for quarterback play. I think Baker's better than Jared Goff. But and then I also think I think the Saints could sneak in for sure. The Saints are still a great team all around. James Winston, you know, they looked pretty good last year. And those Saints weapons are legit, bro. They're, Saints those and are Lions legit. are like the are like the wild wild cards. No, sure. no, 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 no. I think the Saints beat the shit out of I don't think the Saints are that crazy. That defense is so Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis. Their defense is great. Their weapons are also one of the best trios in the NFL. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry. It all depends on Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston can be like a Jameis was good last year, bro. When he was healthy before he went down, it can be like a Jared Goff level quarterback, like where he's just like decent. Like I think they're see Cooper. I think he's a lot better than Jared Goff in terms of talent right now. Like really, like a lot better. I don't think it's close. I agree, he's better than Jared Goff by a lot, by a good amount. I'm saying like that's that's all he has to do. Like as long as he doesn't revert back to Tim where I throw thirty picks. Like Goff, I think Goff. People hate him for that. I think golf's the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. He's not good by any means. But everyone's yeah, like – I agree with that. I feel like he is pretty overhated. I'll give you that for sure. Like, I think he's borderline. Like, I would put Jared Goff in the same, like, level as Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they're both game managers. Uh, no, I would not. They've both but... taken their teams plenty far in the playoffs when given the chance. You just need a lot around. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I feel like Jared Goff's fallen off since he left L.A. a little bit. I think he was fine with the Lions. But I don't feel like he's as good. I feel like he's still pretty decent. I feel like he's not in the same tier as Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like, like Garoppolo is better, personally. I, I, like, personally, I think it's the same. I think Goff just got a lot worse of a situation than he did in L.A. Kind of like how I think Jimmy G's going to fall off a little bit when he goes elsewhere as well. Sure. I mean, that does, you know, that really factors, especially when you have a game manager type quarterback who doesn't really change the thing. He doesn't change the landscape of the team. He doesn't change the way. Like, let's say, like, for example, like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, those guys can transcend the talent around them. Tom Brady. Um, but, you know, like the Jared Goffs of the world, they're going to need some talent around them to make some waves. Uh, Justin, what's up, man? How you doing? Welcome in. Hey, how's it going? So I just wanted, great, I just wanted to say, like, uh, Jared Goff and Jameis Winston, they're like the exact opposite quarterback. Like, Jameis Winston, he just doesn't care, just lets it loose. 
Jared Goff lately, he's just been the checkdown cane. So uh, I think what the Lions are trying to do, you know, bringing in Jameson Williams, I think they're going to try to see what they have in him, at least this year when Jameson gets on the field, throw it deep, see if he has the deep ball anymore. Uh, he has shown he can do it. It's kind of like Derek Carr in the past where he can do it. It's just not, he doesn't always do it. So it has to be like perfect. Right. Yeah, I think they're very different style quarterbacks, and I totally agree. They play very different styles. I'm saying like if I were to – I'm just saying like I think Winston only – if he can play at the like Lions golf level where he's not like Sam Darnold bad, wrecking your team by throwing picks every time. Basically, if he can just be an – average game manager i think it'll be all right but um anyways i gotta go so uh thanks for having me and bye see you cooper bye all right uh anyone have anything they want to pivot the conversation towards trade questions fantasy stuff in general training camp news i think i think i'm in love with sky more now so there's that dude i actually just tweeted i'm in love with another rookie wide receiver i'm in love with george pickens i'm in love with the man i am you're biased i'm starting to really like him in terms of a deep sleeper territory kind of guy for me um, just because real quick, I think that there's news coming out. I talked about this earlier on the show I did for like 20 minutes in case you already sort of tuned into that. But, um, George Pickens is apparently running on the outside with the ones he's playing on the outside. It's the wide receiver two for the Steelers right now. Uh, Chase Claypool has moved into the slot and Deontay Johnson, obviously be the one on the outside. So Chase Claypool is going to be in the slot this season, which is really, really interesting for a lot of reasons. But I think the biggest takeaway from this is that George Pickens right now, is starting on the outside for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is huge uh, for a lot of reasons. But currently at his cost, is wide receiver 64 in sleeper redraft ADP. Wide receiver 64. He's going to outproduce that almost guaranteed starting as a wide receiver 2 on the outside for the Steelers this season. Not necessarily saying he's going to smash, but I mean, Chase Claypool contributed a lot of fantasy production in his rookie season. Mike Tomlin's not afraid to use his rookie wide receivers. And if, uh, if George Pickens gets deployed on the outside starting week one, I mean, that's big-time news. And I feel like that his stock... We'll probably be pointing upwards big time. I don't I don't agree because as a Bears fan, I know what Mitch is capable of. And I I know that Nagy had a huge like part to do with like developing him. And like Mitch can't like change where he was drafted. He can't control that. And I'm I'm not even talking about any of that. I don't think Mitch is capable of getting him the ball to the point where he's going to be like someone that you're going to want to I'm, I'm thinking more in like terms of redraft like for this year like I wouldn't want Pickens especially given that like you have Deontay you have Claypool you have Pickens you have Fryermuth, and then you have to throw the ball to Najee I that's I just I think it's going to be too watered down and there's not it's going to be too spread out um, which is good, I think, in terms for, like, r- actual football, but, like, in terms of fantasy, obviously, I don't know if I really, like, love any Pittsburgh Steeler this year. If Deontay falls to me right around where he's being drafted, I'll take him because contract your narrative, but, like, I don't really see myself drafting much of the Steelers this year. I understand what you're saying, but I think I feel pretty strongly that it's not really about the quarterback as much as it is about the scheme in terms of getting the ball to players. And I think that the scheme for the Pittsburgh Steelers spreads the ball around, and I feel like everyone's going to have a chance to succeed. And I feel like if George Pickens is a talented player, the, the thing is, Blockett, I'm not expecting him to be a world breaker, but I feel like George Pickens, if he starts on the outside, his ceiling is the top 24 guy. If he's a starting like wide receiver two for this team, his ceiling is a top 24 guy. 
He's being drafted as the wide receiver 64. I mean, that is his floor. In my I, I, don't, I, don't, I disagree. I disagree with that. Like, I think his ceiling is maybe top 30. Um, well, I mean, that's not too far. I mean, that's splitting no, I mean, there's not but, I think, but I think even that's being, I think that's being generous. That's me meeting you in the middle. Twenty top twenty four. I don't think it it could possibly happen this year. You don't. Um, you think it's impossible for him to be a top twenty four wide receiver as the wide receiver two for this team? Okay. Yes. Given the, all the reasons I just stated, I'm a very big narrative guy. Like, I, I as much as I love fantasy, like I don't know as much about like real world football as I'd like to and specific like numbers and stats and route trees and stuff. Like I judge a lot of stuff based off narrative and it's done me well, but I definitely am like looking to kind of, you know, do a little bit more digging into terms of like statistics and all of those things. But yeah, I narrative wise, I don't, I don't like any Steeler this year whatsoever with, with Mitch. I don't know what the the stealing with Pickett is. I think it's a lot higher. I'll just say, I understand what you're saying again, but, as a Steelers fan, I mean, you were a Bears fan. You shared your experience with Mitch Trubisky. I'll share my experience with watching Ben Roethlisberger last season, and it was not pretty. You know, he, he did not play well, especially for the downfield guys at like Claypool, Pickens. Well, not Pickens. Pickens wasn't there last year, obviously. But I'm, I'm comparing the play styles, right? And, you know, Claypool was put in a really bad situation last year because Ben just could not throw him an accurate deep ball to save his life. It, you know, and that really held back his fantasy production, in my opinion. So that being said, I, I view... I view Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett uh, as upgrades to Ben Roethlisberger, even if they aren't very good. For sure. Like they are they, at a minimum, they can throw a deep ball. Well, that's the thing about Mitch, though, because – and this is something that, like, he worked on quite a bit, but he never was able to really overcome. And it was him staring down his receivers and getting picked off. He would either, either over – like, his two big things were always overthrowing or staring down whoever he's throwing it to, and he could not, like – like bluff for anything like you see Patrick Mahomes throwing like no look passes and Mitch is the exact opposite he will stare down whoever he's throwing it to bro I totally listen I totally understand what you're saying but it does not matter for fantasy football for the wide receivers right I think if you can get him the ball it's gonna matter for the wide receivers of course of course but I'm saying in terms of you know if he throws some interceptions oh well it's gonna happen but you know I'm not expecting him to be great you know, obviously Mitch Trubisky is going to be a bottom 25 starting quarterback in the NFL this season unless he makes a Ryan Tannehill bounce back. But I don't think that's likely, and I don't think anyone thinks that's likely. But I, I think that at wide receiver 64, I'm pretty confident drafting the outside starting wide receiver for the Steelers. I mean, that's t- – I mean, 64. Okay, listen, there's 32 teams in the NFL. That means there's 32 wide receiver ones in the NFL. And that means that there's 32 wide receiver twos in the NFL. I'm very confident that George Pickens is not the worst – Wide receiver two in the NFL. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, I still. I still am, am hesitant. I think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this one because, like I said, the just the watered down in terms of like spreading like too thin with all the different players there you're gonna have to throw to, and Mitch's ability. Like if Pickett's getting the start, I'll I'll, I'll throw everything out. Pickett the Pickett will not be starting. I'll say right. 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 And yeah, and you would and you would know that given that he's also apparently. Well, I just want to say in general, I've been saying that since May. It's, it's just the way that Mike Tomlin operates things. It's just not going to happen. P- Kenny Pickett will not be starting Week One at all. Like I love, Mike, I love Mike Tomlin. I do too. He's a great coach. But also, just from uh, early training camp reports, Pickett apparently has been having a bit of a rough transition so far. Which you know, rookie bumps, whatever. But that being, I mean, he's not he's not lighting the world on fire. And what I'm trying to say is, 
in order for him to be the starting quarterback this season for the Steelers week one, he would need to light the world on fire at camp every single day. And that's not yeah, he would he would have to like really just like like have an oh aha moment and like really catch on in training camp like right. Which I don't think is it, it doesn't happen too often. No, 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 especially not for rookie quarterbacks. I and mean, that's like the hardest transition of any sport, really, is what I'm trying to say. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's talk to sure. Muhammad real quick. Muhammad, how you doing, bro? I've never actually been able to talk to you before. You there? Buy, sell, Madden, Muck coins, my boy. I've talked to you on DMs before. You're a speaker. You're muted if you're trying to talk. I don't know if you are or not. If not, we'll just toss to somebody else. All right, somebody else for now. If he comes back, it's whatever. Uh, Tristan requested to speak. Tristan, what's up, man? How you doing? Love to hear y'all's take on David Tristan. David Montgomery? Is that what you said? Sorry, you cut out halfway through. Uh, it's okay, but I can kind of hear what you're saying. But yeah, did you did you say David Montgomery? Like my take in general, David Montgomery for this season. Yeah, he he's going in and out. I think yeah, this connection is messed up. Yeah, it's fine. I, we'll talk about David Montgomery. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I like David Montgomery a decent amount of his cost. I think where he's going right now, I prefer some other guys at value. I haven't really been drafting a lot of David Montgomery. Uh, but if you like David Montgomery, I feel like there's no problem with that at all. I feel like, you know, he's a, he's proven to be a pretty solid running back in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, this team is going to be very good. There's, there's not a lot of options for this team to go around. Uh, so, you know, that being said, I think that David Montgomery is going to have pretty decent value for fantasy football this year. From, just from the perspective of there's not really much else to give the ball to there in Chicago. It's going to be um, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and pretty much David Montgomery. I mean, those are going to be the three you know, real fixtures of this offense. And I guess you can work in Justin Fields' legs there as well as another player uh, so you know, to run the their offense. Their, their offensive line, I think I said this two days ago, I think it was, their offensive line just got a lot better. They, like, got some really, like, cheap options, but they actually are, like, veteran presence that can actually, like, like be starters. Um, so I like their run game a little bit more than I did, you know, a week ago. Um, but in addition to Dave Montgomery, I – read some reports that they think that Khalil Herbert's going to work in more and I personally like I love David Montgomery for this year um I think that Khalil Herbert will like spell him and take some of the passing downs work even though you know Montgomery can do both and Fields certainly will rush a little bit but I I really like David Montgomery I just don't love where he's going it's a little early for me when I've done my um when I've done my mock drafts, people kind of are reaching a little bit for him almost because they kind of think he's going to be a workhorse, I believe. And no, so, I totally so, agree with that. I actually want to add on to that right now. Um, yeah. His ADP right now on Sleeper is running back 18, which is way too high. He's currently going right at the end of the third round, early fourth round, like first pick in the fourth round is his ADP. Um, right. And that's one spot ahead of Brees Hall, uh, which is crazy. Uh, I prefer Antonio Gibson over Mon- – actually, no, I don't. I prefer Montgomery over Antonio Gibson, but Travis yeah, Etienne I prefer – I prefer Travis Etienne over David Montgomery. I prefer Josh. Jacobs I think that's over David Montgomery. I oh, I don't Connor. prefer Jay. I don't. I do not prefer Jacobs over Montgomery. At I do all. for sure because I feel like this offense is way better. He's gonna be scoring a lot more touchdowns. Yeah, but you have Zamir White. You have Kenyon Drake, who's gonna be involved. Zamir White's not even in a training camp. So, right now, man. so, he, he's, so he's a small. Injury. That's why. They are so talking players. about, sorry, talking about Zamir White. Uh, I think uh, David Montgomery kind of reminds me of Josh Jacobs, where he's been consistent but not explosive. 
so they kind of have similar situations where Montgomery has Herbert and now Jacobs has Zamir White. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I think with like David Montgomery, though, I think he's been more trusted in passing downs work, whereas like Josh Jacobs through how many different coaches now three, like one temporary coach. And like, he just wasn't trusted in passing down situations whatsoever. And so like, that was a problem with um, uh, Nagy's previous offense, ironically enough, like if they ran out to Rico and they know they were passing like, and, and so that was kind of the problem. Right. So I think Dave Montgomery has, has a higher um, floor than Josh Jacobs. I don't know about, I wouldn't say probably ceiling. So it kind of depends on. Yeah. He definitely has a higher that. floor than Jacobs. I would say, but the yeah. field for Jacobs is a lot higher. The, thi- the thing I'll say about Montgomery though, is like, because he's going a little too high for my liking, um, I'm kind of always with the mindset of I'm going to draft a cheaper guy, like at the same position. And like, in this case, I really like Khalil Herbert. He actually showed out pretty well for Dave Montgomery last year. And additionally, like there were some rumors in the off season that David Montgomery could be traded. Now, while I know he's a fan favorite, and I think the team loves him, and he loved being on the Bears. If it could towards the end of the uh, the trade deadline, and there's a really competitive team that has an injured uh, a hole at running back, David Montgomery could very well be traded because this is his contract here. It's not a competitive team, but I can definitely see uh, you know the Texans wanting him to because they don't the really Texans have a... Montgomery. Actually, would make a lot of sense. The Texans need a running back in the worst possible. Uh, but I feel like the Bears are probably just going to hold on to Montgomery, honestly. I feel like he's kind of a fixture of this team at this point. And like you said, a fan favorite, and right, rightfully so, you know. I mean, he's given the Bears a couple of years of really solid production. And I think that, you know, David Montgomery is a pretty good running back in the NFL, and I feel like he's established that over the course of his career so far. I think that David Montgomery's in for another pretty solid year. I totally agree with you. I'd prefer Jacobs because I feel like he's on a better team. He's going to be in a really high-scoring division, and I feel like the opportunity for red zone carries and touchdowns is just higher, but I, I understand why you don't like it with the Zemir White. Uh, Paul, how you doing, man? What's going on? Paul, go ahead, man. You're muted. It says he's a listener on my end, so I don't know. Oh, it says he's a speaker on mine. Uh, anyways, uh, let's go, Justin. I think you were going to say something. Go ahead. What is happening? <laughs> Justin, are you there? All right, Balaka, come back in. Bro. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at ADP right now, and uh, since you're you're high on Montgomery, I see James Conner is going before him, Cam Akers behind him. Who would you pick out of those three? Con- Connor first, especially if you're looking for ceiling. Um, I, I wouldn't take Akers there. I'd probably take Akers one or two rounds later because I, I'm a little leery of that injury. And this is kind of strange given that they just drafted a running back and they have Akers and they have Daryl Henderson. If Akers um, is like not anywhere near what he was like his first season before like this injury, I know they don't, I don't think they like Daryl Henderson that much. Dave Montgomery could be traded to the Rams. And I, I, I know there's not an obvious hole there, but there's some uncertainty, and I think the uncertainty there is more um, of an idea of where Montgomery could go than the hole on the Texans, because I think in terms of like roster construction for the NFL, like running back is the last thing you want to get in place, and this Texans team has a lot more holes than um, running back that need to be addressed first. And they did just take Damian Pierce. They have Mac. They have Burkhead. They're fine running out of committee. Like I feel like they think they can cobble positions together by taking a bunch of guys and just having a really deep, you know, wide receiver cl- uh, pool and running back pool and. Uh, I, I, I think Connor there makes the most sense, though, but he obviously has very low floor, you know, with his injury history. 
So what was the question again, Justin? So uh, based on ADP, James Conner, David Montgomery, or Cam Akers, who are you picking in redraft? Uh, those are in order for me. Connor, Montgomery, Akers. I, I mean, Block, I already touched on it, but Akers, you know, the injury is a concern. I think Connor is has the highest upside of those three guys, in my opinion. We saw him do it last year, even though I'm not the hugest, you know, James Connor supporter. Uh, Montgomery is a solid option. And then, you know, Cam Akers coming off of an Achilles injury uh, with Daryl Henderson, who I don't think is a nobody. I think he's going to be involved in this offense still going forward. So definitely something to keep in mind with Akers. I don't, I don't feel like, I just feel like his workload is not as secure as some people might expect. Um, I think that, you, you know, when he came back in the playoffs last year, we saw every running back on the team be inefficient, so I'm not really want to hold this against him. Uh, but Akers was really, really inefficient in the playoffs when he came back from the injury. He under, he averaged under three yards a carry. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of interesting, right? Because the track record for running backs who come back from Achilles usually is pretty poor. Uh, Deontay Foreman looked pretty good for the Titans last season, but, uh, you know, Cam Akers recovered. I think that was time relief. What do you say? I just think that was time related. Like he's had a lot of time to recover from that. Well, so. sure, I I know, but that's not my point here. That's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, Cam Akers recovered from his Achilles really quickly, and we all praised him for that, obviously, because it was an amazing feat. But he came back, and we haven't really got to see him play at a high level yet. He played the playoffs and was inefficient, like I mentioned. But you know, we're all just projecting him almost like his injury never happens. I mean, RB twenty. What is his ADP right now? RB seventeen. I mean, that's like damn near healthy price. I mean, come on. I feel like that's a bit expensive um, for a guy towards Achilles less than a year ago. I mean, this guy, we haven't got to see him in a, in a large capacity yet since the injury. Uh, I just don't think I'm really sold on him in his cost like, at all. I think that I projected him to be a really good player last season before he got injured. And it really sucked when he did get injured. But, you know, all that aside, I just don't think we should be projecting Cam Akers like he didn't just tear his Achilles and he's in a committee backfield because he is in a committee backfield and he tore his Achilles. I just don't think that Cam Akers is exactly what you're wanting to draft. He's, he's one of my bigger bust picks for the running back position this year, unfortunately. I feel like the risk outweighs the reward for Cam Akers this season. I really am not a fan of his. And also there's guys even later than, you know, Connor Montgomery that I prefer one spot below uh, is Brees Hall at 19, RB19. I have Brees Hall in my RB11. I love Brees Hall this year. And then a spot, two spots below that, Travis Etienne. I would, I would happily take Travis Etienne over Cam Akers right now with a smile. Um, same but, for all those. Who? Sorry. I just said same for all those. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Travis Etienne's upside is really, really high. I tweeted, I think yesterday, that there's no reason that Travis Etienne can't be a top five running back. And the, the replies are actually kind of annoying on that because I feel like everyone thinks I meant that. Um, that I think they have, I have Travis Etienne as a top five running back in my rankings or something, but that's not the case at all. I was my RB fourteen. Um, the re- the reason I'm saying that is because he has that in his ceiling, in his range of outcomes. Uh, you know, Travis Etienne is came out, came out of college and was pride. The pride of his skill set was his receiving work. The by far the best trait that he possesses is his ability to be a receiving back and to have a nice burst after the catch. And Travis Etienne's going to do that in the NFL. He has the capability to be a top 10 pass running back in the NFL easily. Maybe even top five in terms of pure skill. Um, I think that Travis Etienne could see, you know, like Alvin Kamara levels of passing work at his absolute ceiling. At his absolute ceiling, I think it's possible. He's a very, very good pass catcher. Very, very good. And he also can run it between the tackles. And, you know, combining those things together, what you're looking for from a high-end fantasy football running back is one of two things. You're either looking for an extreme workload, or like Derek Henry style, Jonathan Taylor, etc., or you're looking for a running back that is efficient 
and catches a lot of passes, i.e. Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, Christian McCaffrey, etc. So you know, you're looking for a guy who can go out there and do things in a variety of ways, and Travis Etienne checks all the boxes, in my opinion. James Robinson is not 100%. The Rams is not 100%. The Rams is not 100%. Who? Some guy named Trey Ragus. But still, I, don't, still I honestly don't think that's relevant. To be honest with you, just, just, I just saw Trey Ragus might be a no, fullback. No, I don't understand. He could be fullback. The yeah. Rams don't really need another running back, and if anything, if they sign one right now, it's probably just a camp body. To be honest with you, um, I don't really, you know, I still feel the same way about Acres, regardless. But I think that you know, Etn does have top five ceiling. Um, I think that he is a great talent who can do a lot of things very well for this NFL team. Uh, James Robinson's not 100% coming off another Achilles injury, as we just talked about with Cam Akers. And I honestly just really feel like this team is going to give him a lot of opportunity to succeed this season. ETN's going to be the heart of this offense because, you know, the wide receiver options just aren't great in Jacksonville. You got Christian Kirk, you got Evan Ingram, you got Marvin Jones, you got I mean, LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> That's about it, really. You know, this team is kind of limited in options. And I think Travis Etienne, also coming from college with Trevor Lawrence, there's a comfortability factor there that we need to think about as well. And I, I, just, I just think that Travis Etienne has a big role carved out in this offense for this season. Wasn't there rumors that uh, Etienne could see some time in the slot when James Robinson comes back? That would, yeah, that would really boost his value. Uh, you know, Travis Etienne himself actually said that he, he would like to play the quote-unquote wide back role, the wide back, the wide receiver running back hybrid role that Debo Samuel made famous last season for the 49ers. He thinks that he could do some sort of stuff with that. Like, obviously, he's not going to be the next Debo Samuel or whatever clickbait title you want to throw out there for it. He's going to, you know, he's going to be thrown in the slot. He's going to be deployed all over the field, and that's a great thing. You know, any way that they can scheme touches to him, they're going to go for it. And I think that's really, really good news for him. I mean, it's a different it's a different coaching staff, but, like, Jamal Agnew was doing a lot of that before he got injured last year. Um, and he did a little bit with of that with the Lions before he went to Jacksonville. Uh, he was kind of playing that slot, could be in the backfield, kick returner role. So if ETN could take that over, he could see a big boost in value. Yeah, absolutely. There's always value in those pass catches, right? And, you know, if you can go out there and catch, pa- catch passes for Jacksonville this season on a high level, he's going to be great for fantasy. And his cost right now really is not bad because I feel like his floor is high because of the reception. Dave, how's it going, man? Dave's joining us here late. Hey, hey. Um, on that note, um, are you concerned at all that um, – Doug Peterson does not have a good history of um, sticking with like a lead back that he's more of a rotational guy. No, I don't actually. I don't. And I think that we all can kind of expect James Robinson to come in here and get his, I mean, it's not going to be a workhorse role. And I'm not expecting Travis Etienne to see Najee Harris work, Christian McCaffrey work, Alvin Kamara work, anything like that in terms of a full workload. Um, But I'm expecting Travis Etienne to get the receiving work. And he's going to get enough carries to blend with that receiving work to be the lead at the high level. I'm projecting like a 65-35, 60-40 split in terms of the production there. And that doesn't concern me at all. Travis Etienne is going to be good enough. And he's going to see all the receiving work to the point where it's not really going to matter, in my opinion. I feel like the receiving work is going to be enough to keep his value high. And I'm not really that worried. So Especially like, because you know James Robinson is not going to be 100% at all. So like similar to Kareem Hunt, only maybe even even more involved in the passing game. That's actually a pretty good comp. Yeah, I would say Kareem Hunt, but the starting running back instead of the backup. If that makes <laughs> right. sense. Yeah. 
Also, regarding the Jaguars, I just saw um, yesterday that, or maybe it was today, Evan Ingram uh, passed one off his hands. And oh, got, my dude, it's killing me, man. So it's killing water, me. water on the fire that I, w- I was, I was starting to like Evan Ingram, and now, dude, I still like him, but it hurts me. It, I mean, he's super cheap. He's like going outside the top twenty fantasy tight ends. Right, like, you want a deep, right. deep cut sleeper. My favorite tight ends this season. My favorite middle round guy is Zach Ertz. Love Zach Ertz. My favorite later yeah. guy is Hunter Henry, and then my like super super late guy is Everett Ingram. But Everett Ingram, can you just catch a ball, please, man? It's been so long. It's been, been so many NFL years. For such a long time. Like that's, just, ro- please, that's rookie man. shit. That's rookie buy a jug shit. machine. Just go in the backyard for like an hour a day. Like please, dude. Darnell Mo- Darnell Mooney's first purchase with his first NFL check was buying two jugs machines. I saw one that for video. His home, one from in Chicago. Fuck you, Evan Ingram. You know, you know we're gonna have at least a couple of weeks where Dan Arnold's a big pickup again. Yep. Oh God, I hope not, man. I, or, or, I don't uh, know. I, yeah, they paid Evan Ingram so much money. I feel like he's gonna have to be a fixture in the offense, though, man. I, Evan Ingram's gonna have to do something. Will he, Will he be efficient with the targets? Probably not, because he has hands of stone. Um, but you know, if he gets some touches and he gets the ball in space and he actually catches the football, he could Dolphin. be pretty relevant. Dalton Schultz, 2023 Jaguars tight end. Book it. I love that, honestly. That would be awesome. I love that. But the Jaguars really need to go out there and get a, a top wide receiver for for, Christian, for Jennifer Lawrence. Actually, it's a funny joke because they pay Christian Kirk top wide receiver money. But And and Peterson loves his tight end, so it's like... He does love his tight ends. That's but true. Did, was Lawrence a big tight end guy at Clemson? I honestly don't know, Dave. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, Money not sure. college guy, to be honest. I appreciate it, fellas. All right. Uh, we only have two minutes left to go here. If anyone has anything they want to add real quick before we get out, uh, two minutes to go. If anyone wants to request a speak button. Or, Paul, go ahead, Paul. So, uh, I actually went through with that uh, trade that I told you with um, – so, I got uh, Zeke and Amonra for um, – what was it? Gabe Davis, Ramondre, and Michael Carter. That's so a beautiful what, value, man. But unbelievable. This is, go- this is going to be even better. I was – since I really didn't like Ezekiel, I really wanted to get Tony Pollard. So what I uh, what I did was I talked to the owner who had Tony Pollard. He said he would take um, Damian Harris and change for Tony Pollard, and um, I made the other guy pay the. Uh, I did the three team deal, and I made the other guy pay the extra like third round pick in twenty twenty four and got it done. That's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. You crushed that trade, dude. Absolutely crushed it. Can you give the full trade terms again one more time? Um, so essentially I traded the New England backfield duo of Ramondre and Harris for the Dallas Cowboys duo of Pollard and Elliott. Um, and then I traded um, Amonra, or I got I traded Gabe Davis for Amonra, and then I also threw Michael Carter in there. That, that's a great trade. That's a great trade. You're capitalizing on the Gabe Davis hype. And I honestly just, you know, I really believe that this Cowboys backfield is not as bad as people think it's going to be, especially Ezekiel Elliott. So I really like that deal for you, Paul. I think you got a great value there, man. Absolutely. And uh, the, uh, the other cool thing is, is um, I have the guy who I traded with first round pick. So he, um, so he's tanking and I have his pick and I just like got rid of some like extra point scores was off of his team. So now he's going to have a worse record and I'm going to have a better pick. That's even better, man. That's honestly really nice because usually, you know, when you're trading with somebody and you get the, okay, Blocky, tell me to pin a tweet. I can't pin a, I can't pin an article. Oh, I have okay. to pin a, uh, I have to pin an actual tweet. But I appreciate it. Uh, he's, he's tweeting an article uh, about the tight ends for the Jaguars' future. It's very interesting stuff there. If you want to check it out, it's on SportsIllustrated.com. 
Uh, all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour. I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Love you guys. Thanks for being here.